Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Peterson Car Story podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. He has served many years for Mattel, but is currently the lead designer for Matchbox. No other than Julian Payne. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Awesome. Um, just to start off, I noticed a little brief uh, accent. So can you tell the audience uh, where are you from? Right. Yeah, well, I'm from London, England, originally. Um, started off um, my career at, uh, at Mattel um, in the UK. So that's, that's where it makes sense from. Excellent. So um, just since this is called Car Stories, what is your earliest memory of um, the car? Um, well, we always used to, to tour around weekends and stuff with the family. So it's probably been back of the family car. Um, and, you know, visiting car museums like yourself here at the Peterson, um, but also other attractions around. So always, always being sort of car sick in the back of a car was my, my kind of problem, but, um, always loved the cars themselves, just not necessarily being in them as a kid. Um, but then of course we did, we did trips around and as, as time progressed, we, we started to go to France on holidays, take the car. So, um, bugging my dad to take us to all the car museums and kind of plotting out the maps of, um, towns we'll be staying in um and making sure they were all uh in vicinity of a, of a local museum so we could pop in and see uh see see what was there all these dusty old museums in france and so um yeah always um always love the the automotive world what car was that that you took the road trips in uh we were always in a ford so oh, wow. uh, yeah and and later on i managed my managed to persuade my dad to get a bit more adventurous so so we'd had fords for a few years um and um and we got him onto citrons so um with the, with the hydrogen suspension the, yep. the pneumatics and uh so uh, he had a couple of those so so that was very comfortable um and uh yeah a lot more uh, appropriate really for france but um those are some nice cars the huh? uh the bx he had a couple of bx models and the the the, the uh hatchback and then the oh yeah then the estate the the uh, station wagon yeah so growing up, were you obviously you you mentioned you visited music car museums? Yeah. Were you um, always playing with cars when you were growing up? Car yeah. To, um, toys and stuff like that. Yeah, I grew up with Matchbox uh, my whole life. Um, th- those are what you saw when you went to the uh, little sweet store, the candy store, for a little treat, you know, and get a little bag of candies. But if you're extra good, maybe you get a Matchbox car. Um, and of course, back in the day, they were they were there on the counter in the little clear display case with all the, the, the cars that you could see them. And then the, uh, the, the shopkeeper would just, you know, select that model, put it in a, in the box mm. and there you go. So it was, it was still like that when I was a kid. Um, so, um, that was always an amazing treat. So yeah, I grew up with, with matchbox and, um, uh, Corgi would be the other one because of 007 and the, the, the features that you had in all those cars were, were amazing. Um, and at the time, then we had Super Kings of, of Matchbox, so you could, you had the big um, transporters, so you could put everything together, and then you've got got this this whole um, uh, great sort of dealership full of Matchbox cars that you could you could kind of wheel around the room. So, yeah, I always used to line the cars up and um, or, or just sort of drive them around the, the furniture. Same same kind of play pattern that, that we see kids today playing. So it's it's kind of timeless. Yeah, when I was growing up. Um one of the first cars I really enjoyed was a Dodge Viper. That was like the first car that was like, oh, wow, that this is really cool. What was that car for you? 
Oh, in the, in the flesh to see um, yes to see driving around. Um, we're coming at being in London. Um, you know, if you do a day trip right into the into the city centre on the underground, you know, take a trip to to Hamleys or somewhere like that to maybe buy a, a Matchbox or Corgi. Um, you know, you'd see some impressive cars. You'd see the Rolls Royces. You'd see um, the big Lagondas. That was a huge hit at the time. So mm-hmm. everywhere in London, there would be the the, the square edge. Um, Lagondas, or you'd see historic Aston Martins, and you know all, all that type of British car was very, um, very commonplace, you know, throughout London. Um, so um, those were sort of the kind of aspirational um, cars that you'd see around. Awesome. And when you started driving yourself, what would you say was your first car? Um, my first car was actually when I joined Mattel. Um, I'd saved up because living in London, and then I was working in London. Um, I actually didn't need um have a car all that time mm-hmm. it was just so easy to pop on the tube to get everywhere so i saved up and i bought a fiat which was the bravo um like a kind of golf sized kind of big golf kind of hatchback so um that was my first car so uh yeah very very nice looking sleek um sleek fiat and i'm assuming you went to university in the uk yeah uh, what did you study yeah i studied car design okay um coventry university uh, that's the sort of heart of the motor industry in the UK. So um, you've got all the car industry around there. Uh, we had a wind tunnel facility, strong engineering kind oh. of um, uh, schools there as well. So we had lecturers that were from the engineering background that could teach us about car handling, uh, mathemati- mathematics, um, dynamics. We we learned fluid dynamics, which was what you applied to the uh, aerodynamics of cars. So you had the equations. Um, so there was a lot of, a lot of book work as it's called. And then, um, we would actually physically make models out of kind of like polystyrene and foam and then, uh, plaster over the top. So you could put them in the wind tunnel. These are scale models, let's say quarter scale or or fifth scale or or smaller. Um, and then you would try out certain different forms, um, so that you would chart it all out as to, to what was better or worse, depending on the forces that you, that you could measure through all the all the machinery that we had there to measure every every aspect so it was all all scaled down and um so that was a lot of fun it's very similar to here in pasadena at pasadena area down the road there's um art center college mm-hmm. so it's a very similar kind of setup you're learning styling um art design um through through lots of different disciplines and you gradually focus through the four years more into the into the vehicles the automotive the um clay modeling um um, from initially being very broad, um, even product design and, and, and everyday products, which you, you learn um, how to get the forms right, how to visualize it, get the perspective right, um, history of design and such like that. So, yeah. So, a good foundation to, uh, <laughs> I would say, that type of course to any, any sort of uh, design um, um, career. Yeah. Um, so, like, did you initially want to be obviously you wanted to become a car designer um what did you do after university and how did you make that transition from being uh wanting to be a car designer to a a, a toy designer i guess you could say yeah well that was interesting because at the time everybody's looking for jobs there really wasn't any um and um i found out to a colleague that there was a company in london the consultancy and they were doing a lot of work with hasbro and and toys so um, what they needed was um, they they had to sort of contract to develop the 
um, action man line of, of vehicles, basically. So what I did is I set up a clay studio with their couple model makers, one of which was actually a clay modeler back, back in automotive from Coventry area years before. So he, so he, he knew the correct way to do everything. So what we did is we, we built those models um, at full size, toy scale, which is basically quarter scale for real cars. Mm. Um, it, and, we, and we sort of, you know, I would hand clay them up myself and then the, um, the expert we would finish it off and um, we would then paint them and, and present them. And those became the line over a few years um, of, of the uh, Action Man line, which is very much like G.I. Joe in the States. So that's what I was doing, as well as other products and and other other things. Um, you know, as a consultant, so you jump. You know, every couple of weeks, you're on something different, or even every day. So um, it's a very wide variety of uh, of toys. And you know, Virgin Atlantic, we were doing things for them. We were doing all sorts of uh, of good product stuff. So from then, it just it just you know, I, I was in I was in product at that point, but um, with that automotive twist to it, um, and and the ability to to, to style things, to sketch things, to make everything aesthetically pleasing, whilst also having that background um, that, that we were taught about engineering and having to know how things work uh, to make sure that you, when you, when you do design anything, you, um, you're thinking through the function at the same time. It's all dual path. So, so I was able to apply the skills directly over, and, and you know it, it all worked out for me very well. So I stayed in that in in that uh industry basically um and i've been in it my whole career so you have me wondering maybe uh the audience as well so how how long does a a quarter scale clay model take um to to build i guess essentially <laughs> i'm long just curious time. yeah a long time a long time <laughs> um there, there's a it's all about the preparation so you, you can't just go into it um, you know, and think, oh, I'll get this done in a day or two. Um, you basically have to get all the drawings done first. So you've got to have a plan. Um, and at that point, once you've got the, the basic style of what you want to accomplish, you've got to do your kind of control drawings or general arrangement drawings. So you've got your plan view, your top views, your side views and everything. And then you translate all that into a grid system, basically, so that you know you can plot points in 3D space. Um, so you will do this on paper. Um, you can do it digitally as well, but it's all basically, um, it all needs to be printed out physically because you, if you're going to translate it and build it by hand. Um, and then what you do is you scale it to whatever scale you're going to do, one-to-one if it's a toy or, or anything. And then you, you have a big board which is gridded, and then you have kind of um, armatures around that board which are also gridded, and, and there are metal pins and pegs that you can push in and out to get certain markings in 3d space um so what you do is you, you then you, you build a kind of wooden buck um for the base of the car you you mock it up with kind of foam or any material you want to rough out the shape you add a couple inches of clay which is in a hot oven it's kind of a sulfuric clay melt it hand sort of apply it rough out your shape and then and that this whole process already, you can think this is days, days or weeks already, and it is. And then you um, you basically go into um, you use all these tools. You, you end up with with a whole army of like a hundred tools. But um, there are things that that go from very rough edged kind of um, forked like things that you can really chop and hack away and get things roughed out 
two slicks. They're called slicks, and it, it's, it's varying degrees of thickness. Metal sheets of varying shapes, from like a like a pear shape for very soft curves, or, or just straight, completely flat blades that are very thin. And with these, you gradually kind of it's calling slicking off the clay, but you're you're taking off a, a fraction of, of a millimeter every time you, every time wow. you do this, and you gradually build a shape. And when you use these very fine materials, eventually it becomes shiny and slick, and it becomes um, mirror-like the finish. So something that is actually very clay-like and just looks like kind of um, dirt, you know, or plasticine or something like that, um, it actually transforms into something with a with a mirror-like finish. Um, so you can actually see your form pretty well. After which you that you can then cast it or or paint it. Usually the idea would be you just directly paint it because to cast it and mold it is another few weeks of work on, on its own and all the finishing process that goes in that. So that's done for everything that needs to be more lightweight and lasts a long time. But um, when you're in development and design, um, you don't usually do that. You're, you're you're getting it painted, you're looking at it, you're presenting it, and then you're off to the next one to to reiterate it. Of course, today you can do the whole, the whole process a lot more digitally, and there are 3D milling arms that will mill the clay. You have to put the clay on by hand, and then the 3D milling arm will mill it, and then use then then that process is done kind of automatically to the to the preset design that you've you've developed in CAD, um, and then you still have to go in and slick it by hand and do the final surfacing. Of course, all that is by hand, but. That was actually going to be yeah. my next question. Yeah. Was like, <laughs> how has technology changed the way you work? But yeah, you, you just well in the, in in the in the matchbox world, um, we um, we basically do everything with CAD. Um, but back in the day, it was done with wooden bucks. Um, if you look back in the history books for, for matchbox mm-hmm. and other other toys and and vehicle toys, um, they would do sort of four up or five up wooden bucks basically and they would basically carve everything um very intensive work you know you want to change something or it's not correct you've got to cut that section out put a new piece of wood in recarve it um but that's how it was done and then you pantographed it down with a manual pantograph um machine basically with with, with the arms and so you 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 basically pantograph it to a smaller shape and a soft material um or you pantograph it directly into the um into the metal tools mm. and that's how it was done in london in, in matchbox in the factory where, where they were built for um probably as many as um 40 years but um yeah but so, now we do it in cad and then we can we can digitally print directly from a file um in in a couple of hours you you can actually if you're on a rush tight schedule on the, and you've got a machine printing cad machine right there available you can do something in a couple of hours and get a print um, and it's you know obviously it's not finished. There's just little step lines in it, but the machines are so good these days that it's so so detailed that you can you can get the, the proportions correct and you can check all that. You can check most of the detail um, right away with it within the day, basically. So I'm assuming you're not you don't miss the the old ways. <laughs> no, the, the old ways take a long time, and um, it's also very smelly. Mm. You you stink. You stink for it, it, days it, afterwards. Is there, <laughs> is there an aspect, let's call it the old ways, that you just can't get with technology now? Is, is there something that just that you can't get it these days? Yeah. Um, well, I think these days we get even more detail. Mm. Um, if you look at the, the vehicles and the matchbox cars of of today, back to the past, they're actually more and more accurate to to what they really would be. Um, 
and part of that is also is because the files that sometimes we get files directly from the manufacturers um, and we can you know they're correct then so um, it, it's more the other way it's more it's, we actually get a, a, a higher degree, degree of accuracy now than you do with the old process the, the old process whether it's by wood or or it's hand doing it with clay um, there's almost there's a hundred variables all the time, and there's there's a hundred chances to get something wrong, or to get something um, you know a slightly different shape that you might want to. But I would say actually thinking about it, that the one thing that you can do is if you're doing it directly yourself, you can put a personal touch into that. If you're doing it as a designer and you're actually doing the model making yourself, you could you could do a personal touch. You can modify something and try it. So often in car design, you, you'll know you you. You do one side of a car, you check that out, but then you also build the other side differently. So, so you'll be able to see side to side what it looks like, um, and you better make a decision on, on what works best. Um, so, if we're doing a Matchbox original, we, we can do that digitally now, and we can we can check multiple files just with a click and switch between them, or and then print both and, and see. But um, back in the day, you you would have to take that time and do that. So. Yeah, it, it's fun to do a clay though. If, if anyone's ever ever done that, it is it is fun, but it is um, it is a learning process and very labor intensive. Labor intensive <laughs> takes a long time, but it, it does look good when it when it's done. Yeah, it, it really does. I think that's like the the kind of like the, the art that goes into yeah. it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just switching it up. Uh, just wondering. So, how did you come to Mattel? How how did that all start? Uh, Mattel, they, I saw a little a tiny advert in the, in the design, um, uh, design news, sort of weekly newspaper for design that w- was in England at the time. Um, it was this tiny little box. I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. That sounds like, like me. And it was, it was Hot Wheels designer in the Leicester office, which was right in the heart of England. Um, so, yeah, I, I applied to that because uh, I thought that would be, that would be great, you know, just, just it's automotive but it but it's toy but it's um you know it would be something that that would it really just interested me a lot it would be moving back closer to the coventry and the heart of the car industry as well um so yeah i applied and um yeah we had a great little little interview with with um there with with um, my boss at time trevor hayes and it was um yeah we were hired and then i i moved up um yeah, with so a, with do, a month. Do, do you remember one of your first projects? Yeah, um, I was hired actually to to because because they were getting short staffed and we were doing all the Hot Wheels um, playsets, basically the city playsets and things like that, and that would that had been hugely successful for them there in the UK office, designing them for for the world market. But um, my head office was was here in El Segundo, but um, they had just got the plans to um, to to launch a diecast line in the one eighteenth world. Um, and so, um, they needed someone for that. So, you know, I obviously had the experience in, 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 from Coventry and car design. Mm-hmm. So I took that on. So we were doing one eighteenth of, of a broad spread of manufacturers, um, from cars all around Europe mainly. Um, and then the other thing was formula one. We, oh, wow. we actually, we were pushing to get a formula one license, which we achieved. And, um, so what we were doing, we were visiting all the teams in the UK and Ferrari in Italy. And we were um, presenting to them what we could do and, um, you know, signing up the teams sort of one by one. And there was a couple of big trips like that with, um, with some, some of the, the head of design from California here 
and, and the marketing group and licensing group to get all that done, to get those deals done. And I represent the design. So, um, yeah, we signed that up and we ended up doing a lot of trips around, especially to Ferrari because we did the Formula One line. Um, and then we also did the car line. So we did the, um, you know, we did lots of the historics and the current cars. And when we launched, it was the, the Modena, the, the Modena, as it's called sometimes here. But that was the, the launch car um, for our um, partnership with Ferrari back in and roughly uh, 99. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. So like Schumacher. It was a Schumacher era. Yeah. Yes, I was making his cars. We would we would um, I, I would drive down to Silverstone, which was really not that far, and um, so I would watch him race round and um, so yeah, cool. <laughs> he would be there for Ferrari, and it would be David Coulthard was usually doing the testing for for McLaren, mm-hmm. and we had the McLaren deal and Williams, um, Jordan. Um, yeah, we had a few teams, so we would go see the cars, try to get as much reference as we could. Back then, they, they really wouldn't give us the CAD mm. um, until very late in the day. So it was basically all done by photographs. Um, and we had our own photographs. We also bought photographs from journal, um, automotive journalists that, mm-hmm. were, that were taking photographs that was freely available. And it's basically what the Formula One teams themselves used to get info on their competitors. So we were doing the same thing just to try to replicate um, the cars as accurately as we could. And as the years went on, and they, uh, we got tighter um, with the teams and uh, we started getting information earlier and earlier to the point that we were getting CAD um, so we could get the product to shelf within the same calendar year as the races. So, yeah. So were you... or? Are you a Formula One fan? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I grew up watching watching uh, Nigel Mansell and the Williams and, mm-hmm. and the Ferrari. So um, yeah, that's always been uh, something I've I've loved to to watch and follow. You know, I try never to miss a race. So yeah. So it must have been like you had to like pinch yourself when you were like working with these Formula One teams. Yeah. Like wow, it was right. great. Yeah, we were. Yes, um, of course, we met Frank Williams a lot and um, Ron Dennis with McLaren. Um, yeah, it was um, quite a few trips, and and things had changed so much just in that time. Um, things were a lot more um, rudimentary back then in terms of their facilities. And they, I uh, remember McLaren, they were still they hadn't got the new place built, so they were still working out of kind of portable buildings on this site because they were just out of space. So um, it was very much sort of um, you know nothing like it is today with with these amazing beautiful offices. Williams had already got there. And they, they had they had their nice place, but um, but other teams yeah. were still were still building them at that point. They were still getting to that point of being c- completely um, um, a one stop shop, all in all in one sort of area where they could build, manufacture, design everything. So, were you able to go to any uh, races at all? Um, I went to um, Silverstone. Okay, you know, guess the Ferrari, and um, I went to the. Um, um, they have an annual um, year-end celebration um, at Imola, so um, I think I went there a couple of times, and it, it sort of to sort of celebrate the season. Of course, they'd won the championships, and so it was a great experience. And so the drivers would be there, and and they would do kind of not races, but it would be kind of um, all the historics would go as well as the Formula One cars, and so that was good so we'd all so if that tied in with my trip to go there and, and visit and get information and data or photographs it would be great to attend that so yeah so um i guess just working with hot wheels and matchbox uh, how do you how do you basically determine what becomes a matchbox or a hot wheel 
um is this is this from the higher ups is it more of a creative freedom how does that happen that creative process well yeah we we have to um we have to stay in tune with what's actually out there right now and what the trends are um and that's from from new cars what what's on the market um what's coming out what what's what's going to be launched in the next couple of years so we get a head start on something potentially and then also looking looking at classics and historics and what what's what's popular at the car shows and um what what people want to see what people are buying now um just what's popular so so we look at that as well and we we basically start to sort of pull this big big kind of list or imagery together of the types of vehicles we want um because we want to represent a whole variety cross section so you've got things for the kid things for the adults um so so that's what it's all about variety of things that are going to be popular castings that that people are going to recognize they're going to be iconic so um so so they sell and people people will enjoy playing with them and or, or collecting them so that's what we try and do what is um one of your favorite cars that um or matchbox hot wheels that you designed that um, you, you were most proud of um oh well, we or did. series I we guess. did well we did back in the 118 stage we did the um we did the ducati 916 at, at one tenth one tenth scale mm. it was a 118th line but that's a beautiful casting where the engines all exposed and all the hoses and electrical are all are all in and around the engine so that's a very detailed one full suspension um mm. these days i just i did um um my land rover the lr4 um, a couple of years ago, which came out into the Matchbox line in moving parts, so that was a good one. We were, um, it has a kind of the way the windows are on that car are flush at the mm-hmm. back, at the, the side windows, and so that's something that there's something that's very difficult to do because we have to like get that part inside of the of the outer metal casting. So, um, you know, originally we thought maybe we can't do this, but then you know we pushed forward. We had some ideas, did some sketches. And then, um, you know, even the license, the Land Rover, like, oh, well, can we can we get that right? Can we get the angles of the of the pillars right? And um, we we managed to do it with some um, using some um, cut lines in in the in the window glass plastic piece so that it would flex and and pop in so that it all looks like it should. So there's a little there was a little challenge with the cars, but that's what makes them interesting to try and pull off something that's a little more accurate. So if you look at an early casting of an early discovery mm-hmm. um, from maybe 25 years ago mm-hmm. of, of that, that same type of car, basically, the, the Discovery LR4, um, I think the windows just basically are stepped in, which is the typical thing on the diecast. So um, we, we did with this one managed to make it um, accurate to the real one. So we're proud of that. Really cool. I'm a, I'm a Land Rover fan. I have a um, first-gen um, Range Rover. Oh, great. So... Um, yeah, yeah iconic. <laughs> yeah, iconic. That was what what started that luxury um, SUV trend. Exactly, so, beautiful car. Yeah, um, just, we have that in Matchbox. So yeah, I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I have actually, yeah. um, and also um, in Hot Wheels too. Yeah. So um, it's the, the off road series. Yeah. But it's, I have a, a four door. The only comes in the two door for that. Right, right, two door. That that one. Yeah, the because the car was launched as a as a two. That exactly. Was, that was, um, yeah. It w- it still had a very utility feel to it when it was launched. It wasn't um, 
it the wasn't, luxury. It, it wasn't it luxury, yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah. it definitely wasn't a sort of grocery getter or a... It was, um, it was a farm car, right? It was a farm car. It wasn't to take the kids to, to, to school, so it didn't have the rear doors. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was a practical car that could go on the farm, but it, but it looked smart. It had the, you know, sort of big leather seats on it, so it gave you that luxury feel mm. so that you, you weren't just driving a... Um, you know, a defender or very rudimentary vehicle, you could drive it in around town and still fit in with the with, with sort of the urban set. So yeah, totally. Um, just curious, from a designer point of view, um, what would you say is probably the most beautiful design car ever? Oh wow, there's so many. It's it's, it's so to hard to choose. <laughs> yeah, you've got things like the, the Bugatti Atlantique, um, things like that. That that you know, it, it shows when you've got something that's worth multi-million dollars if ever those cars get to auction um because it, it's something that was that was unique um it, it was that car was so beautiful because um you know they did things that hadn't been done before um things like i'm looking behind and you've got some ferraris on the, on the wall here the the, the pontoon bodied um testarossa ferrari mm-hmm. um um there's the um Bentley R-type Continental mm-hmm. for, for an English car, which has that that great stylish body influenced by aerodynamics and and the American sort of fins. Um, those those are some of some of the favorites, I think. Um, but you could go on and on. I think from every manufacturer, there's always a few that stand out as as being great cars. So, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, also, just once you moved to Southern California, did the whole Southern California car culture influence your work, influence how you thought about cars, or did it at all? Um, I think it influences um, a lot of the custom work that's done in Hot Wheels uh, very much. I mean, right from Hot Wheels is built from that custom car culture. So, you know, if you look at the the Sweet 16 of Hot Wheels, that all, that is all you know, built off of that culture right here. Um, and, and so that, that continues through the Hot Wheels line a lot. In the Matchbox line, it started off with a very British culture because the cars were represented, representing British cars when it started in the 50s, and then they expanded to American cars, European cars, to try to get that whole cross-section. Because a cool car is a cool car, whether it comes from California, Detroit, you know, um, France, Germany. So um, basically, you know, it, it's the whole spectrum. So... Um, I said, as far as customs, it's more of a Hot Wheels thing. But in Matchbox, we still we still have our beach buggies. We still have our surfboards occasionally on cars, and and influences on the graphics there. And we have that convertible. We do a convertible, you know, it, that'll evoke um, sort of Malibu um, beaches and things like that. So, yeah, it, th- th- there's a there's a little bit of that in there. Yeah. Um, also, just I'm just curious um, as a designer. What is, what would you say is the most challenging part of your job? Um, is it budget? Is it um, all of that kind of? I'm just curious. Or is there a challenging part? Um, I mean, of course, if you had no no restrictions, you, you know, you could build exactly what you wanted. You could have multiple pieces on it. Um, so when you're doing something that that's the collector line, usually that's great because that gives you that chance. So whether it's the this matchbox sort of um, the the sort of matchbox creations cars that you see come out mm-hmm. the, the, just a few a year, um, those ones you see a lot of that sort of no holes barred, you know as much deco as we can get on them, 
um, rubber tires, um, there's moving parts, opening doors. So that's what you really want to do. So as a designer, you want to give as much detail as possible. So those lines allow you to do that. Um, on a basics car, something that's more like a dollar car or so, you know, you have to make some compromises. So that becomes a little bit difficult when you, oh, we have to lose a, lose something that you might want to put on the car or lose a feature or lose a, um, um, a decoration that, that um, you know, can't be afforded for that price. But the idea is that, um, you know, you've got that affordability so that a kid can buy that pocket money car just today or the old parent can, just as they could back in the 50s, 60s, you know, all the way back. So, um, you know, you also have to remember that, you know, you're building something that's affordable. So at that price, you may have to sacrifice a little bit of deco or something. But, um, you know, you can, on, on the high-end collector model, that's where you get to go wild and make sure, you know, even if it's one seat or four, you get as much detail as you can. And, and that, that becomes the sort of, you know, the halo model where, where, mm -hmm. where you really can get everything. On an average um, Hot Wheel or Matchbox, how many pieces make up a car? I'm just curious. Yeah, it's around four pieces. Okay. Yeah, and then that can go up and down depending on the casting. So you've got the, the body, which could be die cast, could be plastic, and the chassis, same, could be die cast, could be plastic. And then you have the interior piece, and you have the window. So um, that makes up the four main pieces. Do you collect any of the the matchboxes that you've designed? Um, yeah, Matchbox or Hot Wheels. I, I try to <laughs> I try to keep a few castings. Um, it's hard to keep up because the the graphic designers will come up with multiple variations. So there'll be um, you know usually a couple options in that, that first year, and then it'll pop up every now and again. You'll see one on shelf, or you might see some graphic being done. <laughs> so then I'll have to say, oh look, I, you know, and I'll just grab that from wherever it is, a retail store or yeah. an air store, and I'll, I'll, I'll grab it if um, if there's something that I like that I've worked on. Yeah, that must be a really cool feeling seeing your your workout. Yeah, you no, know, it, it, it's great. The real yeah. world. Yeah, when, when yeah when I first started, it was it was um, I used to sit there on a Saturday morning and um, and watch the um, the TV shows for for kids because that's when the commercials will be on. Mm. So I would VHS tape <laughs> my um, my ad or the TV adverts of, the, of all the of the products I was on. So I have this sort of. Um, you know, I think I converted it to DVD now, but the DVD reel of um, of, of all the uh, of all the TV adverts from the uh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, from the, from the nineties, from yeah, yeah of, of all the products I worked on back in back in London at home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just switching up a little bit. Um, on October 29th, um, here at the Peterson, we're going to be celebrating the 70th anniversary of Matchbox um, with the cars and coffee. Um, just wondering, what are you looking forward to seeing? I mean, obviously, we're going to have a, a good turnout here. Um, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, um, hopefully, people will 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 actually bring some Matchbox along with them. So, I think it'd be great to see that. You know, to see people driving up in a car that they that they they own and love and care for, and um, and maybe they've got a Matchbox version of that car. Um, so, to hear some stories about you know people's passions and. And why they why they love the car that, that they own, and and you know maybe they're a, they're a big Matchbox fan or a collector, or they remember them from their childhood, and this is you know a good a good chance to sort of celebrate that. So um, maybe we've awoken some you know some passion, and some people you know some of the adults that will remember them from their childhood will will, will come along and share that. Yeah, and you'll be one of the panelists. So um, 
there will also be a, a Q&A session. And also for people that are familiar with the Hot Wheels Legend Tour, there's also going to be a kind of drive up and uh, take your photo like if you were in a matchbox. So um, that would be there. Also, um, I believe there will be um, some giveaways. So um, come early. Um, also, have you guys released any um, special series for the 70th Matchbox? And yeah. can you tell our audience about that? Yeah, there's um, there's a few specials out there in, in the basic sort of dollar line. Um, vehicles that are coming out, I think, through the year in various mixes. There's a moving parts special line. Um, there's some cars decorated in, in orange with the moving parts uh, with a special package in that line. Um, can you name some of the, the vehicles um, that are um, part of that line? I'm trying to think of them. Well, I think we have a Porsche Turbo in there because that's a vehicle that's been in the Matchbox line since since that came out in, in, in 1980. Um, uh, we have the um, D-Type Jaguar, the old iconic. racing classic iconic car that that that's in the line that might be maybe one of its first outings i think as a casting um um it's it's a whole variety i mean okay. there's even a five pack out there and and the, the designers on that one um they referenced the very early first five pack i think for matchbox and the cars in it are are Almost the same castings are very similar in similar sort of decos, but with a silver kind of base color. Um, so that's a kind of historic thing. That's kind of kind of neat when I see that. Um, and then there's a collector line of, of vehicles with the Matchbox collector, which come with the box and the packaging. And, and there's that line um, of cars as well, with that little bit of extra deco and the, and the rubber tires. So there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of lines kind of represent throughout each segment. There's even a Skybuster plane. Um, in in the silver seventieth deco as well. So we try to represent um, in every segment some cars, especially for the seventieth. So it's a big big year for us. Awesome, yeah. So go get them. Um, and I think for sure there will be a special giveaway. Like I said, so um, again, that's going to be October 29th here at the Peterson. So uh, we'll see everyone out here. Just switching up, uh, what do you think the the future is for the diecast car um, in the future? Um, I think people will keep con- collecting, keep playing um, from 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 what we see. You know, the kids are still playing with them in very similar ways to I did when I was a kid. You know, they're collecting, they're playing together, they're playing, taking them with them on the go play in the car every, to school. You know. Th- just like the original Matchbox was done, designed to be in a Matchbox, it's still, it's still that same sort of play today. So um, it, it, it's a great form factor. So I think from that point of view, um, you know, our audience is is, is growing, and and um, the kids are st- just having just as much fun today as they ever were. Um, and of course, um, we're representing the vehicles of today, and like electric vehicles, and and such in the line as well. So, so as people grow up and get older themselves and have kids of their own, um, you know, the, the line that they'll be buying new now will also reflect those lines that they grew up with because we like to have that little balance. So, so you know, we want to keep staying in touch with, with our customer and, and giving cars that everybody, everybody just wants to collect and things that people are passionate about. 
Have you ever thought about how many people currently, maybe my generation, a little younger, that you might have inspired or influenced to be automotive designers? You know, I mean, just basically playing with the Hot Wheel or a Matchbox. That's a lot of people's introduction to cars. Have you ever stepped back a little bit and thought about like, wow, I've (laughs) inspired a lot of automotive uh, people, you know? No, I haven't, I haven't, (laughs) but but I'm sure that, you know, that you've got a point that, um, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. So, um, so yes, hopefully that, that has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that, you know, the the toys uh, continue to be a success. So, you know, I hope everybody out there's having fun with them, and you know, we'll keep keep making keep making what everybody is uh, wants to play with and uh, have a good time with. Yeah. Um, do you yourself collect any cars or thought about collecting any cars? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> no, I've. I've. Um, no, I've always bought cars um, new, basically, and um, and then maybe kept them a while. Um, but um, I haven't been like a mechanic myself or, mm-hmm. or hands-on in that way. Um, too busy spending my time sketching, drawing. Um, so um, yeah, no, I, I've got cars that are relatively on the newer end of, end okay. of the scale. But um, is yeah. there a dream car? Oh, a dream car. Um, oh, it's it's so I don't know. I mean, every, everything you see, you know, you could <laughs> you could walk around this great museum here and. You know, in every room, you're going to pick a dream car that you would love to have. Um, but the practicalities of it are, are kind of one thing as well. But if, I guess money is no object. Um, I don't know. Um, maybe something like the, the, the R-Type Continental, you know, that I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier or, um, you know, something like that. I'm a very tall guy, by the way, for the audience. You can't, you can't <laughs> see here. But, um, um, you know, I, I really can't fit in anything that doesn't have a large tall interior so um you know i usually go for something a little little on the larger side but uh yeah yeah um so actually today i was just um did some homework on you i was reading an article and i came across an article um talking about you did a special uh project for the coronation of king charles iii um what it what was it can you tell the audience yeah, we did. We did. We did the um, the the, uh, the state gold coach from um, um, the seventeen hundreds. Um, it was um, basically it was the model that kind of launched Matchbox back in um, when it was the Lesney days before before Matchbox was launched. They they um, they made the model of the coronation coach for Queen Elizabeth's um, dad, parents basically. Mm-hmm. And um, by the time the model came out. Um, uh, the king died basically pretty much soon right soon after mm-hmm. so um they continued to make it and, and they kind of cut him out and so it was just the queen mum in there but it was the queen mum representing the queen so they kind of produced this this big collectible which was um about 16 17 inches long very very large size collectible um and eventually they they um they worked on a smaller version um, because they were perfecting the art of die cast, because they were they were pioneers in this, the, mm-hmm. the, you know. Um, and Jack O'Dell, um, he he was basically trying to get something that was affordable and 
um, they scaled down the coach to to something around four inches with the horses, so very wow. tiny. And, and they made this, and this sold about a million pieces, like in 1953, 54, and um, it was a huge success. And from that, um, the the idea to 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 then produce the smaller line of matchbox size vehicles because his daughter could fit um, could put a toy in a matchbox. If it fitted in a matchbox, she could take it to school. So so he was fascinated by by engineering and by by the vehicles of the time so um he made a model of a road roller and it, it was matchbox size so that was what she could take to school and then that became the first sort of die cast in a matchbox um and then there was three other commercial vehicles like a cement mixer and others that, that came out um shortly after that that he developed in that same scale and that was the first four matchbox vehicles and uh, so we kind of commemorated that by um because it was our 70th year and it was also the king's coronation we basically um we we took a real original 1952 um coach and scanned it and scaled it down and we actually scaled it to to fit our current sort of line which is a three inch line of diecast vehicles so it's in kind of scale um pretty much with our vehicle line um and we we basically captured all that detail from the original. We updated any detail that, that wasn't accurate. We found there were some things that you might not realize, but they'd use the same cherubs front and rear, and they're actually different. So um, I visited in London a few years back, so I, I'd had photographs, so we, we could tell what was wrong. And then we made a couple of updates just to get the accuracy right. And uh, yeah, that became a, um, a sort of Mattel Creations item that was launched um, right i think about the time of the coronation or the month before and so those are um those those are going to be that that special item that are going to be um shipped out to people um how did that land on your plate was it uh no the fact I, that you were uh, british they yes gave <laughs> yes I, I i presented it to the team yes i presented the idea to the team yeah and i think people had thought about it um and i had potentially realized that um oh yeah it, you know we have that in the line but um it hadn't been presented up to sort of a management as something to do um so um yeah just presented that as an idea everybody was on board with it um and it's just something to kind of be a sort of kind of a halo item kind of a just something to to represent our past and and um it was a big moment in the uk and the world so um, it doesn't have happen it doesn't, often. <laughs> it doesn't happen. No, you're right. You're right. So I mean, we've done it. We we've, we we're making them now. They're in, they're in production. Um, and so um, is this going to be a limited? Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was um, basically whoever ordered one is getting one. It was basically only limited by whoever, whoever many people put in an order. So um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's great. We're, we're, I've seen the first production and, and they look great. So. And I'm sure you're going to get a copy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yes, yes, yeah. I've got some. I got the first one on my desk now. So yeah. Um, just to wrap it up, um, I'm going to kind of ask you a little deep question. But how do you want to be remembered as a designer? Oh, another thing I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't expect it to be asked. But um, oh, I don't know. I mean, you just you just um, you just want to make sure people have fun playing with what you're with what you're producing. I mean it was always important to me that what I did was successful. You know, when I saw the TV adverts, like I said earlier, and I was recording them, if, if some, you know, the, the idea that, um, you know, there was many thousands of kids that were buying the product and it was working and, and, and what we'd done was selling and, 
you know, that was always what was important to me, that it was commercial. Um, and that in doing that, I had fun producing something that then could be commercially viable. So, um, you know, that's important to me to, to you know, that every day I'm, I'm enjoying it and it, it's fun to do. So that's why I've, I've stuck around in design. So hopefully people, you know, like the vehicles we're doing, like the designs, like have the fun playing with the features and, you know, it, it can have that long lasting, um, you know, effect. Awesome. Well, Julian, thank you for being here on Car Stories. Um, everyone out there, if you like this, give us a thumbs up leave a review, give us five stars, and we'll see you next time on Car Stories.